welcome back to Rally DNA. This week, we have part two of our interview with Richard Brown. Circling back to 2017 and that rule reset, what was that like from your point of view, being within the Volkswagen organisation and, and the, the lead up to that car? <laughs> yeah, I mean, 15, I guess, which with Dieselgate, it already happened. So, you know, it was a little bit uneasy then. And then we, we got the go ahead to do 2016. Um, yeah, but then in the end, there was a lot of testing went into the 17 car. We, we will never know how fast that car is, but it was probably not a bad car, I would say, <laughs> you know, but, but we won't know. Um, what we do know is I think we've all spoke to our drivers uh, about the cars that they got into after the polo and they had been testing regularly our polo before that. And yeah, the, the, the comments were still favorable, at least at the beginning to, to the polo. Um, but FX, I think he had, he had said one time that if, when he saw the Toyota and the Aero and the Toyota at the beginning, like, were, were we too conservative with our Aero? Our, the opinion at the time was that it wouldn't last. The cars were wider. You put round bales, chicanes there. The guys, they're already pulling the front wings, trying to get through a bit faster with the, with the old car. And this has more... Mm -hmm. Complexity. more airflow control on the fender and yeah it's an even wider car so we, we didn't think a lot of the aero would last on these cars um i think he's right because if you walked through the service park anytime when the 17 car onwards were running the pile up of bodywork at the back of the teams was quite big you know some can be repaired some not but i think the bodywork bill for these cars for the last uh what was it four years or so must be big i think for the teams um, maybe we were too conservative on the era. We, we will never know. It's a shame. It was hard. It was really the, the team spirit that was there in all the four years when the, they said the good years were there. You know, you can also then imagine how how hard it hit the team for this for this decision to pull out. It was it was really really hard for 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 everybody. Yeah, especially for it to be completely out of your hands as well. You know, it's not like yeah. it was uh, anything that you could have impacted. You know, I suppose maybe that was in some ways a better thing because it could never have been a performance-related reason, yeah. could it? You know, you guys yeah. had over-delivered in every way. Yeah, maybe maybe that was the problem. I, I don't know. <laughs> you know maybe, maybe, you should, maybe you should build it up slowly in the future. I, I, yeah, I don't know. It was just it was a hard decision to accept. And, yeah, just, just like the one when they closed the company also. It's, uh, yeah, it... it it doesn't fit now. You have to accept the board's decision, and yeah, that's it. They don't they don't see a, a future in in motorsport with the their vision of the future of mobility. So life goes on, you know. Yes, We're certainly in a weird time in that respect at the moment, aren't we? Yeah. <laughs> I think la last year, I remember was it last year or this year? Uh, we're looking. So for the for the years we were in, it must be last year, I think. When they started Monte Carlo, Toyota were in rallying longer than we were in and out of it. You know, that was that was last year, their fifth year Toyota, probably. Mm -hmm. 17, 18, 19, 20, yeah, 21, yeah. Mm -hmm. So that's crazy. Yeah, that's 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 life. <laughs> I, I can't yeah. remember it's been nine years since the Polo made its debut, which it doesn't seem oh, like don't. It's two minutes to go. Uh, you've, made, you've made me feel old now too. <laughs> <laughs> <Really>? <laughs> yeah. 
yeah, there's a lot of water under the bridge since then. Um, yeah, we went, we, we did some very interesting things afterwards. Um, so 17, uh, yeah, so we finished that. Everyone was, I guess, a little bit in shock. And then, you know, you have to wake up in January and get on with it and see, what's, see what to do. So the company's internally, the company's reaction between uh, Sven and FX was, was really good. You know, really diverse projects, uh, really talking to the people to see what they wanted to do. Yeah, it was, it was good. They, they made the, the best out of a bad situation and they really looked after everybody. Um, so I'm, my, my wife is, is, my wife Maggie, she's American. So I, there was an opportunity to go to the US to uh, GRC with the Beatles. To, so it had been running and running well with Andretti, um, but yeah, we had more people, more resource. So there was a kind of a small team set up to help the development and follow it on and push the development on a little bit of that car, um, make a good step with with a lot of things, CFG, uh, transmission, yeah, the kinematic suspension, dampers and stuff. Um, so we that's that was my decision to go to go to America because. I figured at some point we might move back to America and it'd be nice to see motorsport over there, how it's working, um, make some contacts. Um, so could have been, could be good move for the future. Um, and it was, it was good. It was a good, it was a good choice that year because it was not such a hectic calendar. Um, for sure, less stress than the previous four years, which with WRC and such a big, big spotlight uh, on everyone on the team, you know, um, if you make a mistake uh, on the, on the WRC level, you know it's the world stage, so you, yeah, I think there's a bit more, bit more pressure, a bit more stress there. Um, but I had a my first firstborn son was also born in 2017, so it was yeah, a bit more relaxing, bit more relaxing year. And then and rallycross was also interesting. I mean, in the US it was rough. It was a lot of smashing and a lot of. A lot of car damage, you know. It's a little bit. It's the, it's it's the part of motorsport I don't I don't like so much, you know. It's not it's not the way to get around the corner, but it's it's part of rallycross, you know. It's been it's always been there. It's a bit the culture, I think, a little bit. So, but it's it's more there for sure than in the world rally world rallycross championship. So you're um, saying you're not in line for a touring car career switch anytime soon. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, I did. I did uh, W. What is it? WTCR in nineteen. Um, <laughs> yeah, maybe it's not for me. <laughs> yeah, Pushed to pass. But it was good. I must say, it was a good year. You learn. You learn a lot too. You know, um, it was. It was. Motorsport is motorsport. I think if you like it, you shouldn't shy away from from these challenges and things. Uh, I, you know, my heart has always been in rallying and probably always will be. But I don't regret going to Rallycross in 17. Um, you know, you, you definitely learn a lot of new things that you would never really look at or learn in Rally because they're not so important. So like the launch in Rallycross is you can have a bad car, but if you have a good launch and a good driver, you can somehow figure out how to stay ahead, you know, and you can win your heat. Um, so in launch in rally is not really looked at so much, mm. certainly not since the automated launch was taken away, you know, from the two liter cars we were talking earlier. So there, once we went to the 1600 CC cars in 2011, the driver wants a car that doesn't stall off the line because it's a manual launch, but in rallycross, that's not acceptable because you'll be last. So mm. 
that you put so much time and effort into that one particular, you know, 50 meters. It's yeah. almost done in 50 meters, you know. Yeah. Oh, it's really a, it, it's, I don't say it's a science either because in Rallycross, the regulations are tight with the sensors that you can have on the car. It's quite old fashioned in that respect. So it's difficult to extract data, you know, off the car to, to help you. So you also have to have a bit of an eye for it and watch your car and watch the others and how they're doing. So there's a lot of new skills and a lot of new challenges and it doesn't matter the motorsport that it is, you know. So that was, yeah, 17, I did that. And then the R5 car was beginning, you know, in, in 17. So, and I, uh, as soon as Rallycross was like, the season was kind of ending, I, I asked to be, to, to do some of the testing or to do all of the testing, really. I wanted to be put on the, on the R5 program because, yeah, I like, I like rally. So uh, I did, I did a, a lot or all of the early testing with the car um, all the way to Mexico, I think. We took the car to Mexico because we could, we had the budget and we know that it benefited with the 2013 car. Mm -hmm. They took it in 2012 and yeah, it really benefited with the, um, with the, with the altitude and the cooling because there the altitude is so high. The altitude also has an impact on the, on the cooling. Um, so yeah, it was another, another test, another location that was well worth doing. We did a four day test there and it was really beneficial, I think. Um, and I recall Mexico thought in the week, sorry. No, no, it's okay. Please carry on. Sorry. Uh, I, yeah, say, I so... seem to remember Mexico sorting the wheat from the chaff from, <laughs> oh, sorry, mate. I seem to remember Mexico sorting the wheat from the chaff in 2017 as well on the WRC stage. You know, I remember a, a litany of, of, of cooling and, and intercooler related dramas, certainly for Toyota that year as well. And, and the altitude being at least yeah. mainly to blame. Bro. Yeah. It's, yeah, it's just a, it's a difficult rally. I think they all have their own, their own difficulties and stuff, but Mexico's, yeah, it's a, it's a difficult one. You, it, even with experience, it can throw up some 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 problems. Yeah, but cooling is usually, especially we put full anti lag and things. You're generating a lot of heat all the time, so the the cooling system is pushed to the to the limit. Um, there is some freedom in the WRC cars with the cooling with the radiator sizes sizes, but in the end, you're always limited by the the total airflow you can get through the front bumper. That's defined by the FIA and the regulations and. Yeah, it's not so easy, not so easy. A lot of it, which engine calibration, a lot of it. I think our WRC car was really strong there, not just because they went there for the, the altitude test, but yeah, we had good engine department, good engine calibration, good engine engineers. Um, yeah, and the same, I think the same paid dividends with the, with the R5 car. You know, the customers, when they got that car, I think, yeah. It's for me. It's still the fastest R5 car. I'm a bit biased because my job still revolves around the R5 car now. Um, but I, yeah, I, I think it's still, I think it's still the fastest car. You know, if you put a fast driver in there, yeah, very much to be there at the moment in terms of the R5. Certainly, and tarmac as well, especially really yeah. seems to be creeps above, yeah. above the rest at the minute. Like mm -hmm. I20 seems to be still quite hard to drive on tarmac. And, and I think the new Fiesta isn't quite there, maybe so much yet as well. Mm -hmm. Certainly evidenced mm -hmm. by the Galway entry at the moment as well. Yeah. There's more yeah. and more polos flooding in here too. Yeah, it looks like, uh, I think, uh, was it the Ulster Rally last year where the, for the BRC championship was decided? 
Um, so you had Melvin Evans with two cars there and two, two drivers. I think he was quite a nervous guy because, you know, he had both drivers fighting for the, for the championship and both in polos. Um, yeah, you definitely don't want the championship decided on, you know, unreliability or something like this, but that was fine. I think it was, well, what was interesting there was because the two guys were pushing so hard for the championship, the, the difference and the gap between them and the others and the others, there's a lot of fast local drivers there. Right? Yeah. I mean, the, the polo was yeah, well ahead, which is we, nice. We were both there, actually. And I said, you know, the same, because there's normally an expectation when the BRC visits Ireland that the local lads will, will kind of turn it up and, and do it. But certainly, like, straight away, I was watching the stage time come in and yeah. um, Edwards yeah. and Ocean were, were way ahead of the likes of Ireland. and yeah, they couldn't. They couldn't really respond. I mean, yeah, you know, Divine uh, Jennings—they're they're all fast drivers. Like Key Cronin is there. They're all, yeah, you know, in in, in the championships that they're doing, they're all really fast guys. Eh? They're all winners. Yeah, yeah, Key multiple champion. Yeah, yeah, but yeah, there's only so many polos in the world now. There there isn't new ones being made. So, yeah, I think they're hot property. Yeah, I I got a call from a, a French team. And they're crazy looking for one at the moment because now uh, the, the French have realized that it's yeah the car to have as well. And But there's none available. So they've probably <laughs> gone up in value, not down, I think. Everything yeah. else at the moment. Yeah, yeah. yeah. But yeah, that was, that was good. Uh, that was only development and it was completely different to developing a WRC car. So our five rules, the FIA have done a really good job, I think, here. Because it forces the manufacturer to really think about how to make the car. Because in the end, the manufacturer wants to make the car profitable, I think, in one way for them, for themselves. They, they definitely don't want to make a loss on the car. So you put all the pressure on the manufacturer to make a good car at, a, at the price cap that the FIA give. So I think, you know, we brushed on the topic of ProDrive and the Mini, and they followed the spirit of the rules then. I, I think... The R5 regulations now are those regulations perfected, you know, for the customer. Because in the end, the, the, the old WRC cars, the two-liter cars, they're fantastic. You know, they're for the crowd, for the for the spectators, and for the driver, they're they're fantastic. But they were so complex, so difficult to run for the teams with small resources, you know, and some engineering or no engineering resource, and you know, some laptop or none. Uh, they're, really difficult difficult cars for the team to run and these are five cars so yeah, you need to maintain them properly and follow all the service guidelines but they drive and drive and drive you know the service life is much longer the parts are much cheaper it's it's correct i think it's still not cheap motorsport you know but but in comparison to i think value for money in comparison to an, an group n car a group n car is you know a terrible weight distribution a lot of understeer certainly on tarmac um too many road car parts that are not strong enough for the job and yeah in the end when you're on the event you still need all the same fuel and tires and mechanics you know so the, the fixed costs for running the car on the event are almost the same but okay so your initial price of the r5 car is more but i think your enjoyment as a driver should be much more the car is better balanced it's a bit stronger it doesn't you know, you can you can take a cut and it should survive. You know, the car will survive at least, maybe the tire not, but that depends on how good your recce was, I think. But you know, it's 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 still 
you know, very expensive for a lot of people to try to, you know, still need a lot of money to try to make it as a young driver or good sponsors or something. But from where we were, you know, with Group N, it's a much better recipe, let's say, than, than what it was. Um, so it was a really good, really interesting uh, challenge, I think, to build a good R5 car. And with the Polo, there was no reason to hide anything anymore. You know, the, 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 the dampers that we started with, with the Polo R5, were essentially the same curve as the, as the WRC. You know, there was no reason to hold anything back from the, from the customer because our future at that time, our future in rally was none, you know. So the customer really got a good, good car. Mm-hmm. Or we hope that was our target to build the best R5 car. And I think uh, it was Gerard, uh, Gerard Yandiyang, so OGA's engineer for the four years. was his. He was project leader there and he did a good job. It's because it's difficult to build it. With the restrictions in the budget, it's it's really hard to build a good R5 car, and he did a good job for that one. Um, yeah, and I, I enjoyed the testing. I really did because it's a different type of testing. You know, you have we put a lot of different drivers in the car. We didn't just do it all with a very fast works driver. We did a big range of drivers and got all the different feedback. And they did have a lot of different feedback that you wouldn't think about, whether it's screen layout. You know the the screen layout, I think our first, our first iteration was way too complex. And we, we simplified it down a bit because in the end, the drivers, they just need to concentrate on some of the basic stuff, you know. Um, the co-driver screen then we made quite a bit more powerful. We took some ideas from WRC, but a lot of the code, the feedback from the co-drivers is that all oh, that's working quite well. Um, the balance of the car, the, the, how easy it is to set up and what I think, uh, what I understand is that customers, they find a setup and they don't change so much during the rally. And that's, that's good because it means that they're concentrating on their stages and not trying to find a good balance or a good setup for the, for the rally. You know, that's, that's where the stage time comes from when they have the time to focus on their, on their own driving. Must um, be the ultimate so- vindication of your work as well. Yeah, maybe it depends. It depends on the on the results. You know, you're only as good as your your last event. So, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's a, it's an interesting life for for race race engineering. Um, but yeah, I, I think so. If you look if you look back on it, let's say obje- objectively, yeah, yeah, it's it's good. If you change so much, if you change so much on the event that you're kind of lost, yeah. Either your pre-event test has gone wrong or you need to start doing more pre-event tests because you don't understand your car or your driver or, or your tires or whichever. So yeah, usually the rallies should be should be simple. Should be. You know, you should be concentrating on your tire chase and your and, and your stages. But it doesn't always work out like that, you know. <laughs> Not always. <laughs> and you know, it depends on the nature of the driver too. You have all different types of drivers, you know. Some drivers like like Marcus Granholm, he's very very adaptable. Mm-hmm. It doesn't matter what you give him; he'll he he adapts so quickly, and just gets on with it. And everything's fine, you know. If the car is there thereabouts, it's okay. Just leave it. I know what I have; it's fine. Let it. You know. From an engineer's point of view, that must be almost be a nightmare. I mean, I, you know, I, I've heard something similar said about Ronnie Peterson in mm-hmm. in Formula One back in the day that it was almost impossible to test with him because he yeah. identify a problem and then just overcome it <laughs> yeah 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 but for rally i think the reality for rally is it's it is a good skill 
you if you get caught up too much in setup i mean if you look at a rally stage even gravel or tarmac you have such differences especially in wrc because the stages can be really really long so your tire begins you know at quite cool quite cool temperature you can only get so much temperature into it uh before you start the stage you reset your pressures but your tire evolution from a 30 kilometer stage is massive and your balance on the car especially on tarmac let's say on a corsica stage where it's there is no there is no break for the front tires there there's no time to cool down they're always braking or turning so there you have an, an an evolution of a car you're going to end up with understeer at the end but i think you can you can change the setup so much that you end up having so much oversteer at the beginning to compensate for the end that you you you'll make the car too difficult to drive or you'll have a mistake at the beginning of the stages you know so if you have a driver that accepts that that compromise is needed and rally i think he has the experience it, it comes from experience also i think but you have you need you need to have a driver that can overcome some problems and change with the balance of the car a good example of this is uh trying to figure out what the difference in time loss is with one spare or two spares so we we always did it at the end of the test mm -hmm. but the problem in hindsight i think when i look back now the problem was that the driver has adapted and knows the road very well and he knows the car very well on that piece of road and then you put the second spare in and within one corner because of their nature as a top level rally driver, they have already adjusted and compensated for the weight. <laughs> so this is, this is why the top level guys are there as well, because they can do this. But even, even at the top level, you can have a driver that's really trying to find the perfect setup, but there is no perfect setup for rally. It's always a compromise, you know, and it's a compromise for your road position. You know, if you look at uh, Germany rally before when they used to go close to the Belgium stages and the, the, the cutting on the road, you did your prevent test, but you were not cutting the road because you should be consistent with your testing. But then you come to the first stage and your road position is eighth or ninth, the road is destroyed. So you need, you need to be able to cope with that. And you won't find a magic setup for that because there is no grip on a road that's covered in mud, you know. No just optimum. Need... Yeah. <laughs> so it's, it is a, it's really a compromise. And I think a good driver recognizes that. And you, it's, I think you save time because if you accept it earlier, you can focus more. There's always time to be found in the stage. There's always, doesn't matter the driver, there's always time to be found in the stage. Sometimes they might say, I can't do any more. Maybe they're probably right because that's, the absolute limit but even for these guys to drive there all the time it's not possible so circuit racing you drive the same corners over and over and over again and it's 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 different in one way because they're pushing this tiny tiny window to the absolute limit but it's like if you take a rally driver and put them on the circuit or a circuit racing driver and put them on a rally there's such vast differences in the times there you can appreciate that both are two different skill sets mm -hmm. you know um yeah that marcus uh, was, marcus is a a hero of mine i think he's you know probably my favorite rally driver from from when i was growing up so it was quite quite special for me to to, to work with him as a, as a test driver you know it was a bit of a pinch yourself moment for me you know i can imagine yeah <laughs> 2017 
Polo, wasn't it? Didn't he? Yeah, he he even did some even earlier stuff with the probably the 15 car. He did some some driving for us as well. We did Lausitz. We had a test um, test venue nominated for Andreas there. Um, so it's quite soft, sandy place. But if you wanted to do some some driving, just endurance driving or whatever. So the first time I worked with Marcus was there, and I arrived there, and I was I was dying with a, a flu. You know, I was really not 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 in good shape. And I I had a little a small dinner, and then I was in the bar afterwards, and I asked for uh, uh, a hot whiskey. But in in Lausitz in Germany, they don't know how to make this, so. <laughs> I was explaining how to make this and made it. And I think he had to go digging for some cloves and stuff, but he found them. But anyway, I was sitting down having a hot whiskey and Marcus Granholm comes in and he said, oh, what are you drinking? And I explained what I had and why. And he said, I will have one as well. And you know, <laughs> yeah, it was a nice, uh, nice, nice moment. Yeah, like I said, pinch, pinch yourself moment, you know, because he was for sure a hero, hero of mine. Fantastic. <laughs> yeah, nice. This, it's, it's interesting for him, you know, th those times... You have to look back and think, you know, it, motorsport, it doesn't matter the job. It, it becomes a job after a while, you know, it becomes a bit, not, I don't say repetitive. It's for sure an exciting job and I'm not, I'm not unhappy with my career choice, you know, but yeah. everything is a job at one point. But there are some moments like that where you think, you know, how did I get here? You know, or, you know, what, what steps you have made and what decisions you have made to just get yourself in this position in a, in a bar in Lausitz having a hot whiskey with Marcus Gronholm, you know. Yeah. Then you get up the next morning and you have a job to do and you have a, a test plan to go through and you need to you need to get on with the job. You know? Yeah. So yeah, and when we did uh, we used Marcus for the R5 car as well. And he had, it was so funny with him. You know, he's such a with such dry humor. He doesn't even realize I think he's being funny. He just says what's on his mind and that's it. And we we had Pontus driving for the first day in Sweden. Then we had Marcus two days, and we had Petter the the fourth day. And uh, we had two good roads for for Marcus. First day was a better road, I think, for him. And we we set him off on the first run, and it was just really you know go go one or two kilometers, come back, we'll reset the tire pressures, and then you can go and check your notes. But yeah, this is Marcus Gunham, so it was just just flat out from the beginning. <laughs> You know, all the way to the end, all the way back, turn around. It, there's no resetting tire pressures, just drive. And and he came back and he um he 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 just said, Yeah, it's it's fine. He said, You have meant you've built a mini mini WRC car, put it on the trailer, let's go to Arctic Rally. We are ready. <laughs> yeah, and this was this was uh this was day one. It was about uh, twenty past eight. So we start driving about eight, so twenty past eight after the first run in the morning. And I said, uh, Marcus, we have two days of testing to do. We have a lot of stuff to go through. He said, you don't need it. It's fine. Just put it on the trailer. We go north, we go north to, to Arctic Rally. We can make it. It's fine. We have enough time. Save you know, you. Uh, yeah, I had a good guy. You know, but it was nice. I mean, we, we all tested with all our drivers in the, in the WRC as well. You know, so it's, it's nice to work. You know, I knew Andreas very well at the end of four years, but it was also nice to go testing with Ogier and with, uh, with Latvala. Completely different, you know, completely different style, completely different uh, wishes for the car. Um, yeah, their their engineer had written a test plan, so you'd follow it. Um, but sometimes you'd discover something and you might want to explore a bit. Uh, but yeah, it was really good to work with all of them. You know, these guys at the at the top, top level, 
you know, the, the public is probably harsh on some of the drivers that are running fifth, sixth, seventh, but like the, the, the level that these guys run at all the time mm -hmm. and how close they are to the limit all the time. And then, you know, you have the truly exceptional guys that can extract that every stage. It's, it's, it's really nice to work with all these guys, you know, the, the guys that are running seven to eight on the road, they're still fucking fast guys, mm -hmm. you know, but you know, it's easy to be a keyboard warrior and put some comments on, on social media, but you know, <laughs> in the end, uh, it's, you know, you get a different insight. I think when you're, when you're working inside, inside a team, especially inside a works team, I think, because you, you have more, more resources to look at the performance of all the drivers. You know, you have every team has a has a way to try to evaluate, especially on gravel, try to evaluate your driver and your car with the road position you have against the other guys, because you have to try to calculate. Okay, the, uh, I'm running fifth on the road, but car car that's third on the road is faster than us. Why? You know, mm -hmm. or 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 it's a teammate that's faster than you. You need to understand why. So they they all have that and. With with those tools that all the teams build up, I think you you also get to look at all the other drivers that you're racing at in the time, you know, and you get you get an appreciation for what they're doing, you know. Uh, like in the time that we were there, Chris Chris Meek was was driving like an like some of the stage times that he would do, like wow, you know, in in the um, the later years of the DS3 with not so much development, you know, but like wow, you know. And the year he won Finland. I was going to say that Rally Finland performance. Yeah. Wow. 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 Yeah. You know, that's a special driver, you know, and people are maybe sometimes harsh and stuff on him, but like that raw speed, you know, Yadi Matty also has it. Like it's just no fear, no fear at all. Like, you know, they don't see the trees, they don't see him. That onboard of, uh, of making 15 in the DS3 is the video I show to people who aren't au fait with rallying. And yeah. as, to, as to why I like it, you know, and yeah. invariably, yeah. if they're not if they're not sold, they're certainly yeah. flabbergasted. You know, yeah. <laughs> and you, can, you can hear it in Paul's voice on the notes. He, yeah, yeah. <laughs> you, you, you know, there is there is a maybe it's maybe I can pick it up because it's the accent is not so far away from from where I grew up. Maybe about seven or eight seven or eight miles off the road, but uh, yeah, you, I think you could. I, I can certainly hear it in Paul's voice. You know that it's Saturday morning. They got up and it was on for them. You know, <laughs> and for Paul's lungs, how he managed to keep going at that pace. Yeah, I don't, I don't know. How I've, I've been on a. I've been in a car in Finland. Uh, been in a car in Greece. I've been in a car in, in the snow in Sweden. Uh, Finland for me I was in a mini uh, I was in the polo in with Mickelson in the snow and, and in Greece also like and it's, it's mind-blowing what what they're doing like if you think you if you think you understand what it is with these guys at the top level from the outside from the inside even even as a engineer you know you're looking at you're interviewing or you're debriefing your driver all the time. You're looking at data all the time. You're looking at onboard all the time. But when you sit in the car and see what these guys do, yeah, 
Wow. <laughs> it brings you back a bit to, you know, why you fell in love with the sport of rally and even as a young boy or as a spectator and things like that. Mm -hmm. It's 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 a special sport. I like motorsport. I like all motorsport. I like technology. You know, it doesn't matter if it's Le Mans or F1 or Rallycross or Touring Car. You know, they've all different challenges and different tricks, but rally is, yeah, a bit close close to the heart for me. You know, and when you, yeah, exactly. Yeah. In Finland, and it's just special, special drives, special drivers, special drives, special times. I think when they, you know, when they put it all out there. Um, I had with Mickelson, we had with three wins, and they were all. You know, there's probably the public sees it differently, maybe to how we see it inside. Um, Spain, for me. You know, he was about 30 seconds behind on Sunday with Ogier. Ogier had done a good job all, all weekend. That time we'd gone away. Our 15 car on tarmac was mm, less understeer than our 13, 14 car. It was easier to drive for Andreas. Um, Setup-wise, we had, I don't say we had something really much different to the other guys, but we had a, a setup that he was happier with. And he was really happy with his tarmac car. And he had worked really, really hard on his tarmac driving. Uh, he'd already had a strong Germany result, um, and yeah, he'd we'd done a lot of work together. I think you know with with the tarmac driving because it's hard for the the Scandinavian drivers to to to, to switch. You know, or at least in the past it was. I think now it's they realise that they must they can't avoid tarmac. They must do tarmac driving early as well. So that's changed a bit with that, but. Um, the, the the race that was going on for for me at the time was with Yadi Matty. We were they were really really close. And Sunday morning, we were looking. It was a bit damp on the on the stages in the morning in the beginning, and we were really deciding with with tire choice. You know whether it was, I think, oh, I think the choice was like four hard, two soft, or you know was it was it five tires? And it was not an easy decision because Yadi Matty was close you know and we we were we were let's say uh, climbing climbing more than a, a, i think yadi Mashi was a bit stuck with either setup or i'm not sure but he was let's say stagnant on the stage times and we were improving against oj all weekend so we were yeah improving all the time and we were still deciding and fx fx came over to us and said uh, what's the what's the problem and i said yeah we're, we're just trying to figure out if it's you know five or six and he just said if you're racing it's five so <laughs> andreas and i looked at each other and i said okay then it's five it's easy so <laughs> you game on and and you know it, that's also should be maybe said i think there was really no team orders in that team you know it was just just was fair with the drivers we said like you can race but you know bring the car back like that was the rule you know you can't you're free to race against each other but you know keep it sensible you're you have enough experience now you know when it's getting close to the edge bring the car back but there was never any team orders you know um and there was no team orders that morning either so i'm and mickelson went out and i think he was a bit motivated by that comment you know that you're, if you're racing it's five and he had a good morning car setup he was really happy by sunday with the setup on the car it had evolved a bit um for for his style and his nature uh, over the three days. And he was banging in good stage times and he, he overtook uh, Yadimashi. 
I forget what margin he had in the end, maybe 10 or 12 seconds, I'm not sure. And, uh, and then uh, Ogier on the last stage, I think he'd said, he'd said to the guys, he said, there, this stage is so easy, there is nowhere to crash on the last stage. <laughs> and then... And the arm code. Yeah. And Mickelson, so Ogier was last on the road, Mickelson had yeah, crossed the line and he couldn't believe it, you know. That was, yeah, that was really a special moment, I think, for, for him. For, for me also, because we had, like, for three years, basically, that was at the end of 2015. So for three years, you're working your ass off trying to show the speed, you know, trying to get the best out of Andreas and the car. And, uh, and Andreas is trying to do the best job he could for himself and his career. And it's not easy when you have a dominant driver in the team who is at the peak of his career, you know. Once in a generation talent as well. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So that was that was a fantastic one. Um, yeah, for sure. It, he inherited it, but this is also rally. You know, that crash could have also happened on the first stage, and no one would ever comment about it. You know, so you need to be at the not just at the finish line. It's still a mechanical sport. You could cross the finish line first and fastest. You still need to get back to service and park from it. That's the rules of rally. You know, that's all part of it. The road section is also part of it. So that was that was a great win. And then Poland, Poland win was um, that was a good one too. Um, so Osh, Osh was in the Fiesta. I think he was in D Max tires. I forget maybe D Max tire. And uh, he had a good road position. Andreas was doing well in the championship, so he was either second or third on the road, probably second on the road, I think, then. And um, he was always fast in Poland. It was always a bit of a mystery because he was so, so fast there. And then he struggled a bit in Finland until, I think, the last time in the Hyundai in, in WRC car in Finland, he was like fourth, but he was really happy because the pace was there, the stage times and things were there, you know. So Finland is a difficult one to crack for anybody. But uh, yeah, going back to, to Poland, he's always been fast there. But so he had a yeah, road position, you know, third, I think, and it was it was a lot of sand in Poland. It's a difficult rally at the beginning for road position. Osh had a good position and he he was fast all weekend. So was so was Andreas. And Andreas was on fire. You know, he was really motivated, like I've been two times second on this rally, like I want it. And we had got a weather report that there was a lot of rain uh, coming for Sunday. And it was, I, I, it's one of those things I can't really explain, but it really bothered me. And I struggled to sleep and I got up really early. I got up like 4.30 in the morning, went back to the service park, into the truck. And I was on YouTube looking for old videos of what Poland is like when it's raining. And I found really old videos where it was a mud bath. You know, the sand is so soft that the cars dig and it's really trenches on the ground, sump guards, you know, skeeting across the top and stones exposed and things like that. So when Andreas arrived in the morning, uh, I said, I want to go really extreme with the setup. Like I want to go really high and then we'll have too much roll. So I want to do this, this and this with springs and roll bars. And he was a bit shocked because he thought the setup would basically stay. And also these guys, uh, Mickelson, and he's not the only one when they're, when they're in the groove and the car is working for them, they don't want to change so much because they know what they have. It might not be perfect, but they it, it won't surprise them. You know, they can work around it and it's fast enough for what they want to do and they don't want to change so much. So he was really reluctant and I got him 
a compromise. We went about halfway with the setup from where it was Saturday night to where I wanted to put it on Sunday morning. But I also put the compromise in the car for him to get to where I wanted him to go. And after the first stage, he called and said, yeah, you were right. What do I need to do? So, and we did it. And, and then the, he's, he was, the car was good, fast enough, but it was also safe. And in the end, Ott hit a rock, uh, got a puncture. We hit the same rock. And because I think our, our right height was so high, it just had a, a dent in the rim instead of a puncture. So, you know, wow. that, that was, I'm, I'm happy with that, that win. You know, that was a good one. We worked hard for that as well. You know, people don't realize how much work goes on beforehand, you know, with analysis and feedback and uh, stage time analysis, driver analysis, car analysis, how to, where to work on from the previous year. We did a lot of, a lot of work with that one. Yeah. And from an outside um, fan perspective, that those trips to Poland seemed pretty hairy. What was it like working in that environment in Poland? I mean, it looked spectacular in every way, but yeah. from a from a fan speed and organization point of view, it always looks a little bit scary. Yeah, it was the, the first years that it was good, the, the safety and the crowd control. Is it the safety and the crowd control you're talking about? Or yes, is yeah, it? basically. Yeah. Yes, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. So the, the first years it was it was quite okay. They they did a good job with the the super special stage. To attract a lot of the people there um the first year there was a lot of dust and things so they quickly got got on top of that but yeah as the as the years went on i think the the spectators were pushing the boundaries there's only so much i think the fia can do they can move everyone in the right position but in the end when the when the road close car goes through and the cars come yeah i think it's it's a bit the nature of the the countryside as well you know it's i don't say it's flat but you know there is some crests and things but it's open fields and stuff and it's mm-hmm. the car can go off there. The driver can, it can, and the driver will try not to roll, of course. So he'll try to keep the momentum going and the car straight. And yeah, that's where I think the nature of that rally becomes a bit, a bit, a bit dangerous. Um, and they had to, they had to stop eventually, but a little bit the shame, I think for Mickelson, cause he was always super, super fast there, you know, really, really fast. <laughs> um, yeah, and then the, the the last rally of the the polo for us, uh, for Australia. Wow, this was an emotional one for the entire team, um, but a great win for for Andreas. You know, there's absolutely no no team orders, of course. Uh, the championship is done by OG at that point, um, and it was a it was a massive fight all weekend between the two of them. I think, and it came down to Sunday. Um, one one particular stage, I think it was it was it was really balls out by both of them. There was not a lot of time in it. I, I don't remember the the. I know where the stages were. I can picture them, but I don't remember the difference of time between the two. But in the end, uh, Ogier spun and Mickelson didn't, and that was the win. You know, but they were pushing fucking hard. The the car came back one time, uh, and he'd he'd gone into a cut and he'd hit a rock, and the 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 clutch pedal where the clutch was pedal was mounted on the floor the clutch pedal had been hit over like this because the rock had come in there but to to realize how hard he must have hit it that area of the car there's a lot of safety structure there because that's the the, the for the end cap safety rating on the on the standard road car they do not want the wheel to come in there so there's multiple layers of steel there and still the clutch pedal was over you know 
they were they were absolutely balls out like pushing and that was a fantastic win for him it's it's yeah i don't know how he didn't get a drive you know after that then that following year he got he got some drives and you know he got he got uh, Citroen and he did a good job in Germany I think with Citroen and he felt he was happy with that Tarmac car in Germany that year and he felt he could have pushed uh, for the win against Ott that year but yeah he was told to be stay where he was you know that's how it is yeah <laughs> wonderful. Uh, yeah, um, I don't know. Where are we? With the career and everything, we did R5 testing. Uh, yeah, and then Rallycross. So we did the Beetle, but then we got to Mexico with the R5 car. And they, the engineer that was with Johan Christofferson, he had he decided to leave. Um, yeah, it was a bit too much commuting for him in life, and he, he wanted to move on to different things. So Johan needed an engineer and he'd had a really successful season the previous year with the 2017 WRX car. And they asked me to switch over. I, I was a bit reluctant, I think, to be to be honest, because I, I, I had started the R5 test program and I liked, if I start something, I'd like to see it out. I'd like to complete it. Um, and also, you know, I think I liked Rally more than Rallycross at the time and I, I was, uh, yeah, reluctant to, to switch, but it was in the end, it was a really good move to do because you're working with another driver who is, you know, extremely talented. You know, he's motivated, talented. The the hunger for winning and the the work ethic and everything else is. It's just one, another one of those yeah guys that are really on the top of their game, top level, and you know, this guy he must be one of the the fastest multi-discipline drivers. You know, doesn't matter what you put him in. Yeah. Uh, Porsche GT3 uh, touring car. So he did uh, uh, Swedish touring car. Uh, he did uh, world touring car, rallycross, rally, uh, and now he's doing extreme E. And you know, doesn't matter what you put him in, he's fast and everything. So working with a guy like this is always, always really, really good. You know, because they they push you also to to your limits, and they they're uncompromising. You know, they they they. they Especially, he's really detailed with the feedback and the setup, and um, yeah, uncompromising as well. He's he's hard to work with because he he will keep pushing you to fix it without upsetting multiple other things, and that's not easy <laughs> <laughs> because everything you everything you change can always affect uh, balance or you know roll or grip or whatever. So yeah, he's a, a challenging guy, but it's yeah, it's always rewarding, and yeah, we had some. Fantastic success. So he did, um, what was it, 11 out of 12 races in Rallycross in 2018. Mm -hmm. Good car, but exceptional driver. Um, so like full domination. And then uh, we did World Touring Car 19 with the Golf. That was a tough year because the, the Golf was at the end of its life. Um, we were kind of using it as a learning year because we wanted to bring the Golf 8 uh, WTCR car out. Um, yeah, but that was also one of the stillborn cars, another another what we call a zebra car that went to the museum without without driving. But uh, yeah, that, that would have that would have we we tested that car in Hedes and, and a couple of more places. And wow, that was so much faster than the 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 old golf. I think it would have been 2020 if we had entered the championship would have been really interesting because it was much easier to set up as a race car, much faster, just much faster. Yeah. And we realized how difficult it was, I guess, with the Golf 7 that we had. 
Um, but the second half of the season with the touring cars was really good. We had a lot of fun. Changed a bit the philosophy of how we were. We went back. We didn't do it so much circuit racing style. We went back to how it was working in rallycross. You know, we looked at the track. We called each other up. We spoke about the setup. We made a plan for what we needed to try in free practice. And we didn't complicate things, you know. And, and it worked better for the second half of the season for us. And, yeah, we had some some great results, you know. A um, couple of wins. It's nice, which, you know, nice for a rally engineer to be able to figure out a circuit racing car, especially a touring car, because, you know, circuit racing is one thing, but touring car is, yeah. You, you're you're abusing you're abusing the the setup to try to make the car work basically that's what I consider a touring car you know you're always trying to get rid of rear grip mm-hmm. uh, but don't make the car snap oversteer and that's a that's a difficult thing to do so but yeah that was a great year uh, not good not fantastic results let's say championship wise but a lot of fun a lot of learning and then 2020 we were kind of into COVID then. <laughs> Um, so slow start to the season. Uh, Johan got some budget to rent our rallycross car for his, uh, for him and his dad's a private team. Uh, yeah, luckily to all his kind of loyal sponsors down through the years, and they were able to get the budget to, to rent it. And we ran that as a very small uh, private team. So we had um, Phil Barrett as engine engineer for, and he was engine engineer for rally rallycross all the, all the years. Uh, good guy, experienced guy. So he was there, and uh, we brought one chief mechanic with us. Um, varied between um, Yari Michinelli and Jose Azevedo, uh, all guys from from Volkswagen Motorsport. And then it was a full. The rest of the team was full. Uh, Christopherson staff. So really good. Yeah, mm-hmm. joint effort. Very small team. COVID restrictions made everything difficult. We had one test. I think two. One or not two days. We had one test. That was it. And the rest, we just had to make it work. And <laughs> no, no better man to do it than than Christopherson. So fantastic! Well, yeah, there you go. That's kind of a, that's kind of my history, at least in Volkswagen Motorsport. Um, then the company closed, as we were saying. Um, and I'm lucky to say that I got basically the only motorsport-related job in the main Wolfsburg factory. So. Because they sold uh, 80 plus cars to customers uh, with the R5 car, they have an outstanding obligation and responsibility to to the homologation of the car. So my role now is uh, yeah working from home because I don't need to be in, in Wolfsburg. So that's a that's a plus. But yeah, basically just responsible to keep the car legal, um, to keep the car as competitive as I can. Um, Weaver Sport in Holland, they bought the, the R5 business, so I support them technically, which anything that they can't solve by themselves. And yeah, just uh, generally dealing with the FIA, dealing with Weavers, and it's it's a, it's a type of, a part of motorsport that it's important. It's a part that I didn't think I would ever maybe do, but, you know, it, it fits well in life now. We have two small boys here, life is busy, and uh, it's, yeah working from home kind of suits so it's still motorsport and then yeah in time i think i'll get back out and get back on the either the the service park or the circuit or the paddock or whatever you want to call it in the future that's kind of that's kind of where it is 
Well, you're still following the the Tarmac Championship at home throughout the, the years away. Yeah, yeah, I do, I do. Especially, especially a Killarney Rally. You know, the stages are so, so, so good there. I mean, even for me, even as a local in Killarney, Donegal is also fantastic stages. It's difficult for me to say which one is better. You know, um, but yeah, these stages are just amazing. Yeah, yeah and it's like good, for Donegal. For a driver, you know, a good car and confidence and good tires and things like that. And a driver is really honest to watch that on board in any of the stages in Killarney or any of the stages in, you know, the classic stages in, in uh, Donegal. There is no her better. Eh? No, no, it really is. I look at the battles that have been had in Donegal over the years mm-hmm. in flight machinery, yeah. like stuff that's pretty brand new, like, you yeah. know. Yeah. yeah, yeah. I mean, yeah, Ireland going back all the years i feel old now even as long as i'm involved in motorsport but like if you look back all the years the 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 class of machinery that has has been in ireland i think it's Uh it it tells that the level and interest in in rally in ireland i think and the level of drivers that come here you know as well to compete you know with with higgins and you know you saw you know there's the famous stuff like with the the wrc teams coming to try to figure out how difficult or how different the tarmac is from other tarmac at the time you know and you have the the classic stuff with Gronholm in in Galway Rally and and Loeb and Cork and things and all the mysterious stories about dampers being flown in overnight and stuff it's all it's all true you know yeah yeah. Citroen did come with a set of revalved gravel dampers uh, overnight because the the tarmac (laughs) power was a bit too tarmac you know (laughs) yeah (laughs) You know, yeah, it's, it's, I, I think it, I think it has gotten a bit smoother. Eh? You know, like uh, Mull's Gap, the stage that I I worked on. You know, when when I was customer engineer with with ProDrive versus now, I think I would run a much lower car. I think because the the road the road quality, the compressions and and uh, the width of the road is is very different. You know, yeah. Um, so it would be a different car that I would I would set up now. I think rather than you know when I was there before. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, this at the rally in particular, I think, uh, with uh, Darrow Reardon, he had the S12C and we won it, we won it two times. This was really, mm-hmm. this was nice for me. Yeah, this that was Kerry, really something, Kerry, isn't it? That, that's Thomas Fitzmaurice's that car now, isn't it? That, that particular, this, this C, yeah, yeah, it's the one, the one and only, yeah. So yeah. it's an S14 engine, um. Different, different differential ramps, if I remember right, because of the way they were homologated. I forget now. Just I'm, I'm getting old. But uh, yeah, slightly different ramps to the B. Can't tell you if they're better or worse, <laughs> but yeah. uh, I know they're different. And then uh, yeah, the S14 engine is the is the big one. But that's yeah, good car. Is there much other differences there? Because I was hoping we could circle back to that C because it's something that's always mm. fascinated me. There's never much info yeah. online. It's it, one of these kind of mystical. Yeah, I don't know if it's still on there because it was an option, but they did uh, weight, weight distribution was was tried to be changed a bit, and ProDrive were quite clever the way they did it. They were they did a a bigger rear guard basically, and they called it as catalytic converter protection. Um, but yeah, it was it was a heavier rear guard. To be honest, I think I I took it off because it was uh, too much yeah too much inertia on the rear. And it was causing the slide to continue a little bit longer, but uh, yeah, there was a couple of differences like that, at least from the 
from the factory. I'd have to look back maybe on some old notes or something. What else was different? But the S14 engine, of course, is the one that everyone talks about. Um, uh, it was strong for sure. Actually, it was really, really strong, that engine, because I'm in ProDrive as customer engineer. We also ran engines on the dyno as well. So we were quite, let's say, multitasking and diverse in, in that role. And the numbers that that S12C engine, which was yeah, essentially S14, uh, they were wow, they were really, really strong. But the drivability of that car was much better. I think the, the engine is strong for sure, but probably that car is faster because it's easier to drive. The, the, the partial throttle for the driver to be able to get on the throttle and hold hold a position rather than having to come off again because yeah, I mean like the, the S12 was a animal of a thing, you know, the, the the turbo control was flat out all the time. So and we had the, the Subaru had this rocket system, so basically it could run the anti-lag flat out, which meant you could have full turbo speed all the time. And you did. So uh, yeah, maximum safe speed, whatever the calibration was set at, so 150, 155, I forget now how many thousand RPM. Um, but yeah, it was just flat out all the time. And this meant that you had full boost available all the time off throttle, but the reality of Irish tarmac rallying is, to, to, can you put it down? <laughs> You know, by the time you, whatever your engine has, uh, you know, these engines vary between six and 800 Newton meters. There's rumors of the Mitsubishi and the Peugeot 307 engine having up to a thousand Newton meters. Uh, yeah, it depends on where you measure the RPM. You know, if you go low enough on the RPM, you'll get some big numbers. But do you, does the car ever drive down there at two and a half, three thousand RPM? Not really. Oh. So it's not really the numbers that you, they're, they're big numbers for sitting in a bar stool in the pub to talk about who has the, the most torque, you know, but, but the reality is, I think, uh, power and drivability is, is kind of what it's, what it's all about. Um, and yeah, this S12, I mean, by the time you get down to second gear, so you've multiplied the, the torque of the engine multiple times, and then you're trying to put it down on four wheels on a greasy road. Yeah, I don't think you needed all this ferociousness. <laughs> uh, so that's why uh, the S12B was a little tamer, you know, a little calmer. And this and the S12C was another step in that direction. And the S14 was a step again um, in all this, you know. And I think that the byproduct of all this was that when you're not running the turbo flat out, your, your inlet temperatures are lower because you're not compressing this air all the time. So... It was a byproduct of a benefit of power for this. But yeah, that S12C was a nice car, a nice car to run. You know, I ran it all the time, I think, with uh, with Darrow Reardon. Um, I did run with uh, with Thomas Fitzmaurice also, but I think it was more the S S11, I think I ran with him. Um, but yeah, two good good guys, good drivers, good to work with. I enjoyed it, yeah. Miss, miss Irish rallying, actually. <laughs> Would be nice to go back, I think, someday with Apollo. That's it. But, yeah. There seems to have plenty of them, and it looks like it's going to be a big year for Irish rallying as well. Yeah. Like these are yeah. coming fast. Yeah. yeah. We were going to, we had we had booked roads and everything. I think we talked with Craig Breen and stuff about organizing switch areas to go to um to do an Irish tarmac test, a proper Irish Irish tarmac test with the with the polo. Mm -hmm. Uh and in the end the test got cancelled or moved to something else. And by then, customers had already started driving with the, the Polo in Ireland. 
um, we gave them like a recommended setup to start with and ride height and stuff. And we did we did some called around, got some feedback from the drivers on how the car was. And aside from being fast enough and winning and you know being competitive, um, the feedback from everyone then was that we, we didn't need a you know an Irish tarmac damper. The the tarmac damper that's on the car that will also cover Belgium, France, uh, even Corsica. There's enough range in it to seem to cope with uh, both the, the the ride height needs, the ground clearance needs, and also the valving. You know what we needed for it. So in the end, it it, it never happened because not because we kind of didn't want it, but it kind of wasn't wasn't deemed necessary. The customers were happy, mm-hmm. and we weren't uncompetitive there. I think if we were, if the customers weren't complaining, but we were uncompetitive, we would have we would have done a done a test. You know. Um, we would respond at the time because there was there was budget for testing to do or to do testing and and or rallies to go and maybe do a rally and see how the car was in a in a market that people were not happy with the car so take a driver there and go and do something so we, we yeah we were looking at roads all over Ireland to get somewhere that you could do if you're going to travel that far you know you might as well do a three or four day test so we were looking to do a bit of a range and get a good selection of all the different roads. I think it was then we also realized, I guess, uh, that Irish tarmac rallying has changed a bit and the roads have improved a bit mm-hmm. from from what we knew from the past, you know. But uh, yeah, so hopefully the car is still competitive in Galway now. Do you, do you know how many polos are entered? There's quite a few, I think. Eh? Uh, well, 25 or fives total, I believe, and then polos mm-hmm. they are making up. I was, I mean, I'll have to look again, but. Well, I can bring it up here in front of me very quickly. But if, if, there's, if there's less than 10, I'll be surprised. I'll bring okay, up. well. <laughs> um, yeah, yeah, that's good. I'm it, happy. I'm happy. I'm happy that the customers are, um, you know, still still driving and the car is still competitive. And... Oh, my apologies. Six polos. Okay. Yeah. yeah. So, that's uh, good. Fisher's back out. In yeah. Morning. That, that'd probably be the man to beat this weekend, I'd imagine. I think so, yeah. 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 So, yeah. Um, I don't know. I've, I've been doing a lot of talking. Do you, do you guys have any questions or anything? You probably hit most of what I was going to bring up. Uh, I don't know if we should keep you on much longer now, but uh, I think you, you've, you've certainly hit everything I would have asked and beyond. Uh, Richard, it's yeah. been fascinating insight into. Absolutely. Thank you very much for uh, you know for a giving your time and b you know being so generous with all the anecdotes and inside information. It's been fantastic. Really, really appreciate it. Yeah, it's for sure. You know, the, the Volkswagen Motorsport years. Uh, we we knew that. You know, we we said in in our office with all the race engineers, rally engineers, we 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 said it many times. We said these are you know the best years of our life. You know, it was it was hard work. You know, we did a lot of hours. You know everyone even for their drivers and everyone was working really hard pushing you know even when the car was competitive and and winning you were still trying to do the best for for your driver and stuff and just a very special team with a very special group of people who were all excellent in their in their job and happy in their job and you know it's a shame in, in a way that they they closed it because i think there's so many manufacturers and teams down through the years that would want that mm-hmm. you know and yeah in the end uh, this this just doesn't fit the the future 
you know, for Volkswagen, this was marketing. For for ProDrive and for for M Sport, it's it's commercial. They need to they need to balance the books. They have a yeah. lot of people employed, and you know, they need to balance the books at the end of the year. It's it's different. You know, there is a big difference between how ProDrive operates, how M Sport operates, and how a full factory team needs to operate. You know, for them, it's it is marketing. They you know, to get on the front cover of uh, L'Equipe in, in, in France with with Ogier standing on the bonnet or on the roof with a Volkswagen logo on his. This is important because, you know, you're exposing the logo and the car to all the, the French people. Mm-hmm. You know, this this is marketing and it they, they try to justify it or they try to, they put a value on that because that advertising costs money. If you were to take out an ad in that paper as big as the front page, you know, mm-hmm. it would cost a lot of money. So this is mm. how the marketing department can can justify the budgets that they put into these sports. You know, yeah. Um, like for Hyundai, I guess uh, it's it's a bit different because they're at the beginning. I don't say it's like Subaru, but it is a bit like Subaru in that the brand image they're trying to change the brand image, and they are successfully doing it. You know, yeah. the, the Hyundai yeah. cars. If you look at them now versus. 15 years ago. Hyundai Ascent, you know, that uh, Sven Smith was co-driver in. You know, the road car difference is massive, let alone the, the rally car difference, you know. Um, so, yeah, it's it's a, a privilege to be able to have the opportunity to be in a full works team, you know. If that's someone listening to this podcast, uh, if that's one of their aspirations, they should really keep it and try to try to achieve it because it is... It is something special to be inside, you know. And we were we were lucky enough to be part of one of the greatest group of people ever put together, I think, you know. And they built a good car, and there was three good drivers to show it. And it was the same with the same with the rallycross cars they built. Uh, it's the touring car that never drove, but should have drove. That was also something special. Uh, the IDR that you know we didn't even brush on that. It, I didn't have so much to do with this project, to be honest, but. The group of people that designed and built that thing from agreement in marketing budget to running that car i think was eight months so a brand new technology that nobody in the company had uh, experience with and to build up you know there was an there was an engine department and there was a gearbox department and now you have to try to you know take the best people from both of those and merge it into a kind of a a powertrain uh, department and start with a brand new technology uh, software and software control is key for this new technology as well this also had to start completely from scratch but to build to build uh, that idr and to, to race up up the mountain in uh, in america in colorado i mean that's a fantastic achievement uh, probably the rally community and they, they won't it's 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 not in the radar you know of a lot of people yeah but just I just talk about the the ability of the people in the team to be diverse you know the honestly if we had driven that golf eight that would have been a, a competitive car in that championship the next year it was so much faster than the golf seven you know and and that's the same people that built uh, a rally car a few years ago you know the diversity and ability of everyone in that team was fantastic and honestly i i think you know that that's the main reason why it was so successful. You need all the other ingredients, of course. You need the drivers, you need the car, you need the budget, but 
other teams have had all of that down through the years and they haven't done the same. So um, why not? You know, I won't, I won't name names. <laughs> I won't name teams and I won't name names, but uh, <laughs> you, you know what I mean? Uh, there's been yes. many, many opportunities, you know, and why have they not achieved the same yeah. thing? Yeah. And Other for me, it's, it's the people. <laughs> um, there we go. Maybe it's, like, maybe it's a good point to, to end on. That's it. Thanks very much, Richard. No, it's really, really fascinating and uh, really appreciate the time. And uh, yeah, I mean, brilliant. Really, uh, really got, uh, you know. No problem. Yeah. Uh, uh, it's nice to talk about the good old days. Huh? That's it. <laughs> uh, maybe maybe it, it, it reminds me that I'm getting old too. <laughs> there we go. There we go. Like that to look back on. All right, guys. Cool. Thanks good again, Richard. Yeah. No problem at all. I'll let yeah. you know when this goes up. Thanks All very right. much. Cheers. Bye. 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 So that was Richard Brown of Volkswagen Motorsport with fascinating and, and very uh, deep insights uh, there to us. Uh, great, to, great first episode to hear uh, all those stories and anecdotes uh, for uh, episode one of Rally DNA. Be sure to tune in for more, subscribe to us on whatever platform you're listening to, and you'll hear more uh, stories from the likes of Richard and a few surprises along the way as well. Thank you. Thanks, guys.